This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show on WCPT 820, the largest progressive talk radio station. And AM 950 Radio, the voice of Progressive Minnesota, sending everyone much love today on January 26th, 2023, Wednesday, a day before, you see January 25th, excuse me, I'm jumping ahead of myself, I'm so excited about the mayoral forum that WCPT will be hosting tomorrow. We will have, really, the the, the candidates are polling the highest. They will be with us tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. And I'm going to have a couple more ticket giveaways so that you can be present with us. Indeed, at 11 o'clock, we're going to be serving lunch, and at 12 o'clock, that's when the forum begins. You don't want to, you want to hear directly from Paul Ballas and Mayor Lightfoot and Brandon Johnson and Dr. Willie Wilson. Uh, you want to hear from them, and they will, and of course, Congressman Chuy Garcia, you don't want to miss them. They are going to ask, they're going to be asked some piercing questions, and we expect to get some great answers from all of them. And we want you to be there. So I want you to keep listening so that we can uh, give you some tickets. I'm going to be giving three sets of tickets away. So I'll be giving tickets away at 6.30, at 7, and 7.30. All right, Henry? My, my board operator So we're going to get ready for all of you today. We're going to be talking about Ukraine. It turns out Germany and the United States are sending tanks to Ukraine. What will that mean? And then we will be talking about knowing your rights. Increasingly, the sense is that Americans, you can bring it down just a little bit, Henry, increasingly Americans are getting the sense that they can't just, they distrust the Supreme Court, they don't trust it, but they are also uh, worried that they're losing their rights. But half of us believe that. So what do you think? Let me talk about what your rights actually are. Let's get to some of these headlines, everybody. In Chicago, it's already snowing. It's been snowing throughout the night. 35 degrees and cloudy. 27 degrees up in Minneapolis, St. Paul, mostly cloudy. We're waiting for the Super Bowl, February 12th. It turns out Rihanna's going to be headlining, but they're going to have country. They're going to have some other people who are going to kind of balance things out. Mm, isn't that interesting? But it's going to be a great show, I'm sure. In the NBA, the Bulls won 11, Atlanta 100, the Rockets 119, the Timberwolves 114. In the NHL, Chicago will be playing the Canucks tonight, and the Wilds will be playing the Lightning, everybody. Here are some more of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. What is happening in Ukraine? Well, it turns out tanks are going to Ukraine. What does that mean? Germany says it will send leopard two tanks to Ukraine following weeks of diplomatic pressure to do so. Quote, this is the result of intensive consultations that took place with Germany's closest European and international partners, according to their German Chancellor, Schultz. We said that today. What do you think about that, everybody? Call us at 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. Now, about a dozen documents marked as classified were found at former Vice President Mike Pence's Indiana home last week, and they've been turned over to the FBI, according to CNN. The documents were discovered by a lawyer for Pence, the sources said, and come in the wake of revelations about classified material found in President Joe Biden's private office and his home. Indeed, now Presidents Clinton, 
Obama and Bush have said, well, the representatives have said, that they have turned over all old classified documents. I think we have a document this year, a classified document this year that's bigger than any one president. What do you think? Call me at 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278. More than a dozen reported tornadoes struck communities in Texas and Louisiana on Tuesday, damaging many homes and businesses, and the threat is, expect, is expected to persist today in other southern states. Everybody, we're praying for you down in Houston, everybody, where roofs were blown off of buildings and power lines were destroyed. More than 100,000 homes and businesses in Texas and Arkansas were left in the dark early this morning, according to poweroutage.us. Parts of Alabama, Florida, and Mississippi are currently under a tornado watch. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters down there. Daily migrant encounters along the U.S.-Mexico border have dropped by more than half in January compared to last month, a Homeland Security official tells CNN. Border authorities were averaging about 7,000 daily encounters last month ahead of the anticipated end of Title 42, a public health authority that's been in place since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Supreme Court put a temporary hold on the termination of Title 42, leaving it in place for now. So those are just a few of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. We have got Pastor Marshall Hatch so excited to have him always when he can take time away from his vast, vast ministry. There's so much that he's doing with Sankofa on the west side, and that magnificent cathedral of his. We're always, always excited when he is able to take the time to be with us today. The pastor of the New Mount Pilgrim Baptist Church, Reverend Dr. Marshall Hatch. How are you today? Good morning, Pat Peter, and good morning to the radio audience. It's wonderful hearing your voice, getting a little bit of feedback, and we're going to work that out right now. And then now you can give us the good news, because we sure do need it. As I say hello to Carol Sopkin, my sister out in Beverly Hills, and Max Myrick, my brother, out in in D.C. in the DMV, Joyce and Miss Robinson and Silicon Valley, Linear Bob, and, of course, Shirley from beautiful Philadelphia, and Barbara from Oak Park, and Eric from L.A., and Houston, Ashley, and in Memphis. We got people all over the country listening to the show, and they need some good news today. Pastor Marshall Hatch, what is it? Well, good morning. The word is an ancient word of wisdom from the, from the Akan people of Ghana, and it is Sankofa. Sankofa is the word that means to look back and recover what was lost before we move forward. You know what's interesting mm-hmm. is that all wisdom is ancient. There's no such thing as new wisdom. And so Sankofa is from an old, old proverb with the bird whose neck turns backward with an egg in its beak. And Sankofa means to go back and fetch, go back and get what was lost before you move forward. The way forward is looking back to rediscover. And so, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a great uh, word of wisdom to make sure that we're not leaving behind what we need to move forward, to recover what was lost before moving forward, to understand the context 
that's what that looking back does. That none of us is new. There's no new thing under the sun. None of our struggles are new. We're not alone. Indeed, we can be inspired by the ancestors with the wisdom of that Sankofa. And so all of us really are from something that is behind us. You know, there is no, I was reading the diary of Malcolm X and my brother, Hakeem Adabudi, who I talked to on yesterday, and he gave me a book, the diary of Malcolm X. And I thought there is no Malcolm without Marcus Garvey, just as there's no Kamala without Rosa or no Martin without Howard Thurman or no Jesse without Martin, no Fannie Lou Hamer without Harriet Tubman. My dad's name was Elijah. No Elijah without Marshall. No Beyonce without an Aretha. All of us. There's something we have to be sure we carry with us when we move forward. And so the word of the day again is Sankofa. Indeed, in the scripture, there is no New Testament without an Old Testament. No Jesus, no Yahshua without Yahweh without the spirit of God that is the ancient of days. And so the word again is Sankofa. Don't just focus on what you gain, but make sure that you focus as well to remember what has been lost, regain it, and move forward. Sankofa, that's the word of the day. Amen. Amen, amen. Before you go, and I've got callers are calling in, call us at 773-763-9278. I want to know who your choice is for Mayor of Chicago. Have you made a decision? And what do you think about Ukraine? And what about our rights? I want to know what's on your mind today. I want to hear from you. Call me at 773-763-9278. Do you think that if we had... If we really embrace the concept of Sankofa, if we really embrace that and understood who we are, all of us, black, white, brown, yellow, and red, and the struggles of our ancestors, black, white, yellow, and red, because everybody's in America because something didn't go right someplace else, right? <laughs> I want to know, do you think that we would behave differently if we understood our grandmother and grandfather's stories? You know, I see people their eyes well up with tears when they go to Ancestry.com and find out their grandparents and forebear stories. It can really, it can change your life. Reverend Dr. Hatch. Absolutely. In fact, it's, you know, our only identity comes from uh, what we're birthed from. It's how we understand who we are in context, that there's a larger story that we're part of a larger story, a larger continuum, that there is something larger than us whom we serve and, and whose, who, whose purposes we are a part of. And so, yeah, Sankofa is such an ancient wisdom. What struck me in the thought of it again was there is no new wisdom. All wisdom is ancient. And so uh, connection with the ancestors, which is a, Thoroughly African concept, right? And a, a thoroughly holy concept, a, a biblical concept that mm -hmm. uh, we are all a part of our ancestors. I hear about the wonderful ways you talk about your grandmother, 
or your dad talked about, you know, his mother and grandmother. And, and it really is uh, amazing how we are at our best extensions of a wider narrative. Hmm. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. As I looked at my grandmothers and I've had the the opportunity to see them as they have transitioned in 2017 and 2015, as I looked upon their faces, I said, well, your spirit is gone. You've gone to be with the ancestors, and now you're an ancestor, and I must tell the grandchildren about you so that your stories can go forward. And um, everybody think about that. Pastor Marshall Hatch, Reverend Dr. Marshall Hatch, the new Mount Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church. It's a great, great church. They do great, great work here in Chicago and all around the country, indeed all around the world. Brilliant theologian and teacher. Don't want to miss him. How can we worship with you very quickly on Sundays? Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church, and this is Celebration Sunday. We're celebrating. We won the $10 million Chicago Prize for our community projects built in Sankofa Wellness Village. And it is New Mount Pilgrim Baptist Church, 4301 West Washington Boulevard, Chicago, 60624, 10 a.m. My son will be preaching this week. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. Pastor Marshall Hatch, Reverend Dr. Marshall Hatch, everybody. Sending him so much love, and everybody, please give them your support, because they really do deserve it. They're doing great work over there. Let me go to Gregory. Gregory, what is on your mind today? I'm so glad you called in right early in the morning. We are sleepwalking into nuclear war, and on the spirit of Sankofa, I will recall that my grandfather, who fought in World War One in France, was there at the time of the Bolshevik Revolution, which established the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Mm-hmm. The Europeans put up an army to try to topple it, with the Americans simultaneously invading the Pacific coast of Russia. Fast forward to the formation of NATO in 1949, the Politburo sent two members to ask if Russia could join the uh, NATO formation, and they were rebuffed, and they realized it was against them to contain them in major geopolitical power games. They formed the Warsaw Pact in 1956. Seven years later, we have the Cuban Missile Crisis, which I remember as a two-year, eight-and-a-half-month-old watching it on grainy black-and-white television in Detroit, where my grandparents were taking care of me summers. And I remember my grandfather, while I was asking him what was going on, what was it, what was it, he raised his foot up and he slammed it down on the floor and said, shut up, Gregory. So my grandmother had me come and sit down by her side. I'll never forget that day. It turned out 20 years later, it was revealed after papers were declassified that Kennedy and NATO had put nuclear missiles in Turkey, and Khrushchev said, unless you take them out of Turkey, we're not taking them out of Cuba, which they quietly did, and we averted nuclear war there. I, 21 years later, attended the European Nuclear Disarmament Conference in March of 1983 in West Berlin because my university, UC Berkeley, manages the weapons laboratory in Los Alamos, and the Germans and around the world rose up in protest to try to get towards nuclear disarmament. Reagan and Gorbachev saw the light. They made agreement that if the Cold War was ended and the Iron Curtain came down and they allowed... East Germany and West Germany to unite and opened up Eastern Europe, 
that NATO would not expand one inch east of East Germany. And over the last 35 years, in five separate waves, 14 different countries have joined. Ukraine cannot join NATO. It would be like the Warsaw Pact putting missiles in Quebec, Canada. And here we are having tanks going there now. There was an agreement to try to resolve this in Istanbul, Turkey, early on. But then the West comes in because of major geopolitical power games trying to keep Russia and China from having an additional alternate world currency or what have you. Okay, so we need to start protesting and like we have in the past against war. Otherwise, you're going to find ourselves in a very hair-trigger situation and it just takes a half an hour. Okay, I'm finished. No, look, I, I know people, when you, when you speak like this, people call you an and I'm like, no, the deals have been cut. NATO was not to have expanded. NATO expanded. We did not allow to. Ha- we did not allow Cuba to hold missiles in our hemisphere. Why can't we understand that? I don't. I literally, I don't get it. We're going to be talking to Dr. David Gibbs and Bryce Green about that. I mean, what do you think we're missing here? I mean, because wait a minute, it's Eurasia, everybody. See, this impacts Europeans very differently because they're all they all share one contiguous landmass. You got the British Isles, and everything from France all goes straight over to China. That's India, and there, uh, just a, a look away from Africa. I mean, wait a minute, y'all. This is this is serious business, and this could this could become really, really bad, Gregory, very, very quickly. Where do you see this going? I see it coming right up to the brink. I mean, the Biden administration and NATO and the West's capitalist forces are trying to see what the line is going to be before they finally draw it. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a, a, a escalated situation in Ukraine until they get to the table to end this war. And there's a lot of resources in the East it's traditionally the Russian area, but there's a lot of resources in the East. I'll tell you that I had a 45-year-old uh, gentleman from Northern Ireland uh, who fought in Iraq and worked in uh, military intelligence tell me, well, I guess I've said too much already now, but it's <laughs> reported that the, the Ukrainians started the actual selling of the people in, in eastern Ukraine who wanted autonomy. There was a worry that there was going to be these kinds of ethnic conflicts between the Russians and the eastern Europeans. That's why you have this Dnestria that strip on the eastern part of Moldova, which is a historically Romanian people who also speak Russian, but the Russian speakers have separated along that line. I know that the uh, Latvians and Estonians complain about the Russians not learning at Latvian and Estonian. So these peoples need to, this is like tribal war, this tribal conflict. These people need to be separated, and that's what they did after they toppled the Russian president in, in the Maidan revolution and in 2014. And so, you know, we just need to get... And we overthrew their government. On, <laughs> what? And then, and then, and then, and then, America overthrew their democratically elected government. I mean, look, it's a mess. It's and I think that moving pension is absolutely, and it can be. But you know, the reports have shown that the United States and their allies blocked early peace um, initiatives. So we, we're going to be talking with Dr. David Gibbs from the University of Arizona and Bryce Green from. 
fairness and accuracy in reporting so that we can talk about this. Gregory, oh, wow, boy, you are so knowledgeable. And it's, a, it's been an honor to speak with you and to hear from you today. Well, thank you, madam. Have a good rest of your day. I appreciate the time. Bye-bye. I appreciate you. Just keep listening. Keep listening, everybody. I want to hear from you. What's happening in Ukraine? What will be the impact of sending America's tanks there? You tell me. Call me at 773-763-9278. And now I want you to, uh, hey, everybody, I've got some tickets. That's right. Stay right there on that phone. Stay right there because I want you all to get these tickets and join us at this WCPT debate. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be something fantastic, fantastic. And it is tomorrow. I can't believe it's here already. We're right there. Back with more of the St. Peter Jackson Show in just a minute. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, we can. We can change the world. We can change the world, change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show on WCTT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. We are having our January 26th, and that's tomorrow, everybody. I can't believe it. Our mayoral forum, and we are giving away a pair of tickets. The WCPT Chicago Mayoral Forum. That's tomorrow, January 26th. I want you to call me right now at 773-763-9278. It's going to be at the Morningstar Auditorium across from Daly Plaza here in Chicago. All nine candidates will be confirmed, but now we're going to have the five top candidates. People have a lot of things to do in the last few weeks before February 28th. And tomorrow, early voting starts, everybody. Uh, but these top-tier candidates have confirmed, and they will be at this forum. This is your chance to hear directly from the candidates. Lunch will be provided at 11 a.m., and the forum begins at noon. Joan Esposito, Patty Vasquez, and yours truly, Santita Jackson, will be moderating this forum on WCPT is having the forum sponsored by the Morningstar uh, and the Roofers Local 11 and Oscar Esperian Rugs. Contests running on WCPT 820 are open to listeners and the 18 or older and residents of the greater Chicagoland and northwest Indiana area. One entry per person, one winner per household, void prohibited by law. Listeners may only win or qualify once every 30 days. Complete rules are available on our website, WCPT820.com. Click the contest tab, everybody. Call me right now at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT, so that you can get these pair of tickets. And I want to see you so I can get a nice big old hug from you tomorrow. But we have got uh, the Super Bowl is February 12th, and I know you are ready for that, your Pearl Wells. Yes, I am, Santita, and we are rocking and rolling at Celebrations by Us. So give us a call at 708-526-4546. Put in your order for your hot wings, your barbecue wings, your teriyaki, your garlic parmesan, or your sweet chili sriracha. 
give us a call for the holiday party for the Super Bowl, as well as also we're doing Valentine's Day baskets. So give us a call for your flowers and your chocolate-covered strawberries. 708-526-4546. 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. Always, always. It's a joy to be with you. I want you to call me. I want to see who has won these tickets. But before we get to Dr. David Gibbs of the University of Arizona, he's done so much brilliant writing and commentating about truthful about Ukraine, as has um, as has uh, Bryce Green of Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting. I want to go get one of the callers in, uh, Brian from Joliet. Brian, what's on your mind today? Good morning, Shantita. I hope you're doing well. Um, oh, first of all, let me be perfectly clear. I'm not uh, comparing uh, uh, Joe Biden or anybody else to Adolf Hitler. However, I believe the sending in of more tanks plays right into the hands of the uh, fascist dictator Vladimir Putin. Uh, I believe that he probably uh, is, uh, well, it, I believe it was June uh, 22nd, 1941, when Hitler ordered Operation Barbarossa, when German tanks flooded into Russia without a declaration of war, causing millions of deaths. And I don't believe that this history will be lost on the uh, Russian people. So I think this is uh, an escalation of uh, tensions. And I would like, uh, quite frankly, and I'm not being uh, uh, flippant here at all, um, that uh, the War Powers Act uh, maybe should be invoked. It will, of course, war against Russia would be refused because that would be the end of all, uh, you know, nuclear war. And then that maybe would force uh, peace talks. Hmm. Well, you know, I, Brian, we're going to see. I'm going to ask Dr. David Gibbs, University of Arizona, and Rice Green, Fairness and Accuracy Reporting. Um, just what are we looking at? What are the consequences of Germany sending in these tanks? Germany has resisted the pressure thus far uh, from the United States and the United States allies, but they have finally given in. And um, now it turns out the United States is going to send these tanks. And then, of course, the backdrop is that the United States and our allies resisted, resisted um, the calls for peace. They, in fact, blocked the calls for peace according to press reports. Not only that, uh, the European allies, our allies, are now accusing America of war profiteering. They're like, wait a minute, you're making money off of this. We need to dial this back. There's a lot going on, Dr. Gibbs. But let's start with these tanks. And what are the implications of Germany, more than that, the United States sending Ukraine tanks? Uh, yes, indeed. Well, as you noted, I mean, it's, it's both Germany and the United States are sending tanks. The, initially, the United States insisted Germany send its Leopard 2 tank uh, to Ukraine, and Germany insisted they won't do it until America sends its M1 Abrams tank uh, to Ukraine, which the U.S. didn't want to do. Now it turns out we'll be sending both those tanks to Ukraine. Um, I suppose the most significant feature here is that the sending of these tanks had been resisted for months by both countries uh, on the count of the fact that this would be an unreasonable escalation and would move both countries on the path to a direct war with Russia in World War III that had been resisted in the past, but now that resistance seems to have 
completely evaporated, at least on the issue of tanks. And one wonders what will evaporate next. There's talk about sending fighter planes, F-16 fighter planes, uh, to Ukraine, which would be very difficult to do, but very significant in that, again, this is something that had been resisted in the past, and the resistance to increased escalation may be breaking down. Uh, I think the most significant thing that happened in the last day was the Federation, excuse me, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists um, has a doomsday clock in which they, um, you know, since the 50s, they have, uh, when there's been a crisis, they have a doomsday clock that uh, is the timing, times how close we are to nuclear Armageddon, nuclear destruction, total nuclear destruction. Um, And they set the clock at 90 seconds to midnight, the closest it's ever been, I believe, uh, on account of the recent escalations. And I, I think people tend to underestimate how close we are to nuclear war here. It's getting closer and closer, and this tank issue is yet another step in that direction. I think that's the most significant event. Um, I think more specifically with regard to Germany, it is significant. I appreciate what the caller said, that, of course, there is a history of Germany sending tanks into this region. During World War II, there was Operation Barbarossa, the German invasion of the Soviet Union, uh, which was done at a cost, you know, in the end of about uh, 20 to 30 million Russians died in World War II, mostly due to this invasion. And so the idea of sending German tanks into this conflict is very significant historically, and I'm sure Olaf Scholz, the uh, Chancellor of Germany, was well aware of that historical precedent. I think that's one of the reasons he was reluctant to do so at first, but then again capitulated to the the pressure. There seems to be so much political pressure for escalation, relentless escalation, no matter what the consequences but this is becoming extremely dangerous. Why? Why this political pressure? Is it political pressure? Is it pressure from the military-industrial complex? The Washington Post had a really fascinating series, Dr. Gibbs, just not too long ago, where they showed, we talk about the revolving door between the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate and K Street lobbying. Well, the same thing happens in the, in the upper reaches, in the upper echelons of the military. They go right into the military-industrial complex, make loads and loads of money off of war. And you're, our European allies are now saying, wait a minute, you're making money off this war. This has got to stop. We, we, we cannot afford this. I mean, India has pushed back. They're part of that same landmass. China has pushed back. Africa has pushed back. What is the deal, Dr. Gibbs? Why? What's the, what's the push forward? I don't understand it. You're quite right to emphasize the, the, the sort of uh, grubby aspect of what's going on here. There's this thing, indeed, that Eisenhower called the military-industrial complex. There are most definitely people who make a lot of money off of this. Um, you know, in, in my own town of, of Tucson, you know, the biggest employer is Raytheon, manufacturer of missiles. Um, and this is common throughout the United States. Um, the military-industrial complex is thoroughly integrated, not only to the uniformed military, but also to the civilian sector. Top figures in the Biden administration have close ties to the military-industrial complex. Congress is integrated into it. And yes, that is a significant factor in what's going on here. Uh, there is indeed a financial interest in engaging in these type of operations. The bottom line is that if you produce a lot of weapons, eventually there's pressure to use them. And I, I think that is part of the picture here, yes. Um, and uh, it's true on both sides of the Atlantic. Germany has a military-industrial complex. France does. Britain does. 
although it's overwhelmingly the United States, I think, that has been really at the center, both of the money-making aspect and of the pushing for war aspect. I mean, it's significant that the idea of, of, of sending tanks was Germany's idea. It was America's idea initially. And Germany gave in to the American pressure. Um, and, um, you know, the results are very dangerous. I think that one more point you did raise that is important to note is that, uh, you know, if you read the American press, you get the impression that the whole world is against Russia. That simply isn't true. Um, it's the United States, uh, Europe, and a couple of other American allies. But most of the world is sitting back and looking at this whole thing in horror uh, and is more standing on the sidelines. Um, you know, China, India, most of Africa, Latin America have largely opposed the U.S. efforts, basically, uh, in Ukraine, as they've also opposed the invasion. But there's no sense of you know, the world basically taking America's and Ukraine's side in this. It is much more complicated than that. Mm, we've been talking with Dr. David Gibbs, University of Arizona historian, and really someone who's helped to illuminate a discussion about Ukraine that we're not hearing. We're not hearing. We need to, we need to, we need to understand why most of Africa has pushed back against um, the United States and NATO and their actions in Ukraine. We need to understand why India and China have done the same in South and Central America. This is most of the world, everybody. Bright green. What about these tanks? I mean, you know, Germany said, no, 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 we don't want to send our tanks over there. Finally, they got the screws. I mean, it just got so tight. They just said, okay, we'll send them. America, you're going to send yours, and now America's going to send ours. What is this going to mean? And how are the media... I mean, are the media giving us an accurate um, assessment or, I mean, are they telling the story? Are they giving it to us straight? Well, the short answer is no. Uh, the tanks, like Dr. Gibbs said, represent a significant escalation in NATO's involvement with this Ukraine war. Uh, the reason that the U.S. and other powers had been hesitant to send tanks before was because that they were rightly fearful of what they considered to be a, a Russian retaliation against them, that Russia might have causes Belli to escalate against NATO for being a direct participant in the war. Uh, but if you read the reporting about what officials are saying in the Biden administration and in NATO high command, they're saying that they've escalated in other ways and Putin hasn't escalated against NATO in the past. So therefore, we can escalate even more uh, without end. It's absolutely insane. And does this make any sense? Does it make sense to keep pushing uh, Russia to try to get them to respond, to cross lines that we know that the Russians have set? Absolutely not. And what's even more striking, as Dr. Gibbs said, is that this uh, news about the tanks comes right as the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists announced that we are closer to nuclear war than in any period in American history. And uh, these aren't uh, people prone to exaggeration. These are sober-minded scientists who take a look at the state of the world affairs. And they understand that the United States is acting in an extremely provocative way. Uh, and one thing that's being obscured from all of this is the why. Why is America so deeply involved in Ukraine? Why do we think that uh, Ukraine constitutes American vital interests? 
Well, as you said, uh, there's a large connection between this war making in Ukraine and the military industrial complex. Uh, these munitions that are being used up in Ukraine, they have to come from somewhere and they have to be bought by someone. And there's billions and billions of dollars to be made in perpetuating this war and in also the reconstruction of the country. Uh, I mean, it, just last month, uh, Zelensky met with the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, uh, to talk about how BlackRock would help manage the reconstruction of Ukraine. Well, for those of those listeners who don't know, BlackRock is one of the largest money asset managers in the entire world. In fact, they're one of the top three largest money managers in, in human history. Uh, they control trillions and trillions of dollars of your investments. Uh, any company that you can probably think of, BlackRock has a hand in it. And now they're being given the reins to reconstruct Ukraine. And Zelensky just uh, yesterday or the day before, he said that this is, this entire war is a big opportunity for business interests to uh, make profits on the destruction of Ukraine. Uh, and if you look closely at the financial press, if you look closely at what people are saying, they're, they're quite honest about it. Uh, but you have to read between the lines. You have to know what to look for. If you look in the mainstream press, if you you know read the New York Times, CNN, they really don't talk about the business interests at stake. They don't talk about the fact that uh, defense contractor CEOs are frothing at the mouth at sending more weapons to Ukraine. They don't talk about the fact that the asset managers, the, the, the large capital investors in this country, are looking forward to seeing Ukraine being destroyed just so they can rebuild it again. We've seen this happen every time America gets involved in some place. We saw it happen in Afghanistan. We saw it happen in Iraq. We saw it happen in Libya. And we're going to see it happen again in Ukraine. Um, it seems that there's no adults in the room who are saying maybe escalation isn't a good idea. Maybe sacrificing Ukrainians on the altar of the American geopolitical imperatives isn't a good idea. Maybe we should seek out a peace deal. No one's saying that. They're all saying, Slava Ukraini, we need to defend democracy against the fascist autocracy, which, you know, is a cartoon character. That's a, that's cartoon, uh, Saturday morning cartoon formulations of how the world works. Mm -hmm. If we're going to really understand how the world works, we need to stop treating this like it's a game, like the stakes aren't real, like we couldn't all be blown off the face of the world in a few days. We need serious talk about peace talks, and we need serious talks about de-escalation. Well, I am not a cockroach. I won't survive nuclear <laughs> blast. I might survive it in the short term. We all might. But eventually, it'll take us all. It'll take us all. Let me go to Mark. Mark, what's on your mind today? Thank you for calling in. Okay, do we have Mark? Well, then let's go to... Mark? Okay, well, let's go to Pat. Pat, Hello? what's on your mind today? Yes, Pat, how you doing? Yeah, good. How are you, Santita? It's I, great hearing your voice. I appreciate your, form, uh, your, your platform here. So listen, I'm going to turn it again. We have a war right here at home, way more immediate, the war against our Social Security and Medicare. I heard another, mm -hmm. I'm going to assume, senior citizen, habitual caller, call you early. You know, these people, I think they like to just hear themselves talk. 
I hope they realize, you know, they talk about every other issue. I hope they can live without their Social Security and Medicare because that's the immediate war at home right now. That's what we should be talking about. That's what I want to hear about. What are we doing to fight that war? All right. Awesome. You know, Pat, I hear you because you know what? But, Pat, stay right here because I want to engage you. I think that you're right. But And part of the reason we can't have that, A, the corporate media won't have it. You know, that's why you we need your support in independent media and progressive media. And we are also looking at our budgetary priorities. I mean, Ukraine gets money they don't even ask for. But we right, here's another shit. You're right. Here's my pitch. You know, you can't you can't be talking about cutting Social Security and Medicare without also talking about cutting public sector pensions. Okay, do people mm-hmm. realize the huge difference between those those fat, beautiful public pensions that the that the politicians are getting, by the way? Isn't that interesting? They talk about cutting Social Security and Medicare. And according to Tom Hartman the other day, who's you know supposedly the encyclopedia of knowledge on everything, he acted like he knew nothing about the structures of public sector pensions. And I don't believe that. But if, I wish everybody would, would study the difference between their retirement accounts and their humble Social Security and big, fat public sector uh, pu- uh, public pensions mm-hmm. that we're paying for. Look at your property taxes. The second expenditure after schools, which we all know we need, we need the kids, we need the future, mm-hmm. is paying for pensions for people who used to work for you, your municipality and got paid well for what they did the whole time. And now they get a check for life that's almost their entire largest salary they made, uh, courtesy of all of us taxpayers, while they want to cut our Social Security and Medicare. It's unbelievable. You know, Pat, this I, is what you should be I talking about. But you know, Pat, I, I'll talk about that. I'll engage you with that right now because the military industrial complex A is eating up our money. But I think that's a false choice. I do, my, my father's 81. My mother's 78. She'll be 79 you know, just, in just a couple of months. I don't want to see her working. I don't want to that happen. And, and, her, and the highest salary that she did make, she should be compensated for it. I think we need to take care of our elderly, particularly when, when uh, bankruptcies are driven by our health care costs. And the older you get, the more health care you need. We shouldn't have to make that choice. We're being forced to make that choice because all the money we have is going to the Pentagon and to these wars, right. of which we don't even understand why that is happening. I but know. let me get Dr. Gibbs and Rice Green in because I only have a couple more minutes. But, you know, you can talk to him during, during the break, okay? Uh, but, Dr. Gibbs, why don't you respond? Because, I mean, I look at these budgetary priorities, and I, I'm here, Pat, I'm here for it. But, you know. Oh, you, you've got money was going over hand over fist to Ukraine, and I'm like, what? Are we, what are we doing here, Doctor Gibbs? Okay, the um, U.S. supplies of um, weapons and economic aid to Ukraine now exceeds a hundred billion, um, and this is not even the first year. We're not even through the first year of the war yet, in a war that may go on and on. I mean, you know, Joseph Biden said, as long as it takes. So it could be many multiples of a hundred billion, and then, yes, as Bryce Green noted there's the issue of reconstructing Ukraine. This could easily go into the trillions of dollars, as Iraq did, all right, as Afghanistan did. And um, that means it will come at the expense of things like both Social Security and public sector pensions. I you know, sympathize with what the caller said, his concerns about Social Security. Although I think he's mistaken to say that, you know, fat public pensions. We're talking here about 
you know, working class people uh, working as things like teachers, you know, policemen, um, you know, um, uh, you know, garbage collectors and things like that. People who do not make large salaries and, do not, you know, the pensions are just reasonable. They're entitled not to have to work when they're 80 years old. And I don't have any problem with the idea of public sector workers getting pensions. That's a reasonable thing. I think the fact is we are if rich. You know the difference. To do both, you know the difference both, um, the amount. Hold, hold on, Pat. Let him, Pat, Pat, let him finish. We can, we can engage during the break, okay? You know, I feel we're a rich country. We can afford both Social Security and public sector pensions. If we don't do things like spend $100 billion on war in Ukraine. I think Correct. really that's really, that, that should be the focus is we're misspending our resources um, and enriching already rich people basically who own stock in, in companies like Raytheon. And so I, I think that really should be the emphasis here is that this war is coming at the expense of people's living standards um, and things like, yes, social security and public sector pensions. It'll come out of that as well. Um, so that, that's my answer. Absolutely. And I've got to go to, uh, this is going to be the end of that, but I tell you what, I want you and Bryce to come back individually, collectively, so that we can have that discussion too, Pat. I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying I don't think we need to choose between um, all of these pension plans for Agreed. those people who have worked a long time. I don't think we should, you shouldn't, we, that, that's a false choice. The problem that, that I've got is that we've got a war that we that has cost Americans more than $200 per American, and we do not know why we're spending that money. I know people cannot get relief checks. That's a problem. And we need to talk about that. We need to have that discussion. I'm not going to have a war on people's pensions. I want my mama to get her pension. I want my grandmama and granddaddy to get this. My grandfather didn't live long enough to get that, typically like most black folks do. My grandmothers did. My great grandmother. Just see what it's like. Just see what it's like when people come after what you've earned your whole life. I worked as an independent contractor. I I contributed almost eighty percent. I don't mind. I don't mind paying for my elders to eat and to live well. I want them to do that. I do mind paying for a war without end. I got a problem with that, and that's a discussion that I want us to have. I love you, Pat. Oh, I love you, Dr. Gibbs and Bryce Green. But stay right here. I want to get some quotes from you right here on the Santita Jackson Show. Coming up, let's know your rights. What what are your rights? What are they? Back with more on the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. And are you all going to get these tickets? Well, let's call me at 773-763-9278 so you can come to this mayoral forum. Back in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show, the second hour on January 25th. Wednesday, 2023, one day before the WCPT mayoral forum. The top five candidates, the top poll of the candidates who polled the highest, the five highest polling candidates will be with us. And you do not want to miss this forum. Uh, 11 o'clock will be serving lunch. 12 o'clock, the forum will kick off. The forum will kick off. You don't want to miss it. I'm Sam Peter Jackson. 
and Patty Vasquez and Joan Esposito will be joining us. Uh, we will all be together moderating this forum. I'm going to be joining uh, Joan Esposito this afternoon briefly, just after we do this for her for this run-through. And Patty Vasquez will be joining my show in the morning uh, before we get into this forum. It's going to be fantastic. And we'll ask questions that you want them to answer. We're going to bring forward issues that you want to have brought forward. So we're very, very excited about it. And I cannot wait to be with you tomorrow. And you'll be able to stream it on all of our platforms. And I'm going to stream it online. So I'm looking forward to all of that. So, hey, Representative Lakeisha Myers, Wisconsin State Representative Lakeisha Myers, sending you much love, girl. That's my girl. That's my girl. Love her, love her, love her. And I love all of you, all my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and the Santita Jackson and Friends Facebook page. Everybody, please like and share. Like and share, like and share. And let's get to some of these headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. It is snowing right now here in Chicago, 34 degrees, but it's snowing. It's going to be snow showers in Minneapolis, St. Paul, 26 degrees. The Super Bowl, February 12th. Rihanna's performing. They're going to have some country performers, too. They're going to mix it up. But she's the headliner, everybody, in the NBA. The Timberwolves will be playing the Pelicans and the Pacers, 116, and the Bulls, 110. In the NHL, the Canucks, 5, Chicago, 2. The Lightning, 4, the Wild, 2. As we look at this document, this classified document issue that continues to engulf of the executive branch of the government. We find that former Vice President Mike Pence, there were documents found at his home. He turned them over quickly. But now Clinton, Bush, and Obama, their representatives have said, we turned all of our classified records over. So what do you think about this? Does it speak to a bigger problem that we've got about our documents? How do these document centers top secret walk off the campus? I do understand that. Well, the CDC wants to test the wastewater from commercial airplanes for coronavirus variants and other potential viruses in the Ukraine or in Ukraine. I don't quite understand how they do that, but I want to be respectful. Germany says it will send Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine following weeks of diplomatic pressure to do so. This is the result, quote, of intensive consultations that took place with Germany's closest European and international partners, according to their Chancellor Schultz. And... In happening later, Jill Biden will present Inauguration Day dresses at the Smithsonian. We're sending her prayers because they found a little cancer, but they were able to really remove that. Thank goodness for that. The CDC wants to test the wastewater from commercial airplanes for these for coronavirus variants. What do you think they're going to find? And what does that mean? Does that mean that people are on planes with COVID? How do you feel about all of that? Hmm. Daily migrant encounters along the U.S.-Mexico border have dropped by more than half in January compared to last month, according to Homeland Security officials. And Iowa Republicans are doing something very interesting. They're pushing for what people are calling a profoundly cruel and petty uh, legislation that will reduce access to food for those who get SNAP benefits. Under this new legislation, Iowans would no longer be allowed to purchase fresh meat, white grains, nuts, canned fruits, American cheese, herbs, spices, even salt and pepper. Can you believe that with their SNAP benefits? What are they supposed to do? Now, in Iowa alone, there are 229,500 people facing insecurity. In other words, they're hungry. More than 80,000 of them are children. 
What do you think about that, everybody? You know, I'm going to find someone from Iowa so we can talk about that. That is absolutely ridiculous. So those are just some of the headlines. In the meantime, you know, we're looking for financial freedom, everybody. Financial freedom. And you can get it if you work with Team Hotberg, everybody. If you're selling your home or purchasing a new home and would like to save thousands of dollars, they've got a new program. You need to call Team Hotberg and ask them about their perks at work benefit. That'll be going on through the end of April. It can save you thousands of dollars the next time you buy or sell a home. Here is how it works. When a Team Hotspur's affiliated realtor sells your home, they'll reduce their fee up to 1%. When a Team Hotspur's affiliated realtor tells you to purchase your home, you will receive up to 1% of their commission as a closing cost credit. Team Hotspur will credit their loan origination fee and their affiliated attorney will reduce their fee. A couple saved close to $9,000 using this post before program when they sold their home and purchased a new one. That could be you. To learn how you can save thousands of dollars the next time you buy or sell a home, give Team Hotspur a call at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or visit 56david.com. Ask them about the post at work program. You can save a whole lot of money. That's 855-563-2843 or 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. They are your equal housing lender. C.K. Hoffler, we are looking at um, this magnificent new television show. She's on Court TV, of course, at the legal analyst, but she has her own talk show, everybody, and we want you to support it. On the A. I B that's Africa, India, Botswana TV network. And they are, and you can find them on Comcast. You can find them on various networks, but you can also go online. And it's knowing your rights, know your rights with CK. And that is happening at a very, very interesting time when so many Americans, so many Americans do not, over half of Americans distrust the Supreme Court. Uh, many people are worried about us losing our voting rights. We're watching people who are, are dissenters, and they are being spied upon by the government. There are a whole lot of rights that many people feel that we are beginning to lose, but do you even know what your rights are? So, legal Q&A with CK right here on the Santita Jackson Show. I am unclear, since they are really taking civics out of the school with CK, if we know what our basic rights are. Of course, you're joined by Reverend Dr. Todd Neary today of Rainbow Push and the pastor of the Douglas Memorial Community Church. And we've got Daryl Jones, Attorney Daryl Jones, probably he and Barbara Armand are the foremost voting rights lawyers in the country. He's the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition. And we are so excited to have you with us today. I'm very, very happy. To have all of you, CK, I think I might have missed someone else. Who did I miss, CK? I think we have everyone. I think we have everyone. Okay. We've got you. We've got Daryl. Okay, who else? I've got Daryl. I've got Attorney Daryl uh, Jones. We've got you, Reverend Dr. Yeary. We've got you, CK. Who did I miss? Reverend Jeanette Wilson. Jeanette Wilson. Reverend Jeanette Wilson. Reverend Wilson. She's close. I think that Reverend, uh, Reverend Jeanette Wilson Esquire, I think she's so close to me. I just, you know, she's like an appendage. She's just been there for so long. But you know what? Um, she's also been in education. And, and, you know, we should have her speak to civics being taken out of the classroom. I mean, because that's how you kind of learn about your rights, even though you make your eyes roll in the back of your head, Reverend Wilson. 
uh, you know, in the spring when they pull out that blue book so you'd learn about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Ah, but that's an important thing. Attorney C.K. Hoffler, first tell us about your show and then knowing your rights. My question for you, as you tell us about your show, is do Americans know what our fundamental rights are and are not? Well, good morning, Santita, and thank you for for um, that kind introduction. Well, this show, I'm excited about this show. It's an opportunity for me to give voice um, to something that I have a lot of passion for, which is knowing your rights. And again, it's based on, from a legal standpoint, knowing your rights. What are your rights as a citizen? What are your rights as a person? As you navigate through all the complexities that this, this country is confronting now, and as there is growing dissension, distrust with the U.S. Supreme Court, with the administration, with Congress, it's important for people to know their rights. And we don't know our rights. When we have these battles where you basically can't even teach certain things in a classroom, there's no civics anymore. If you ask the average student, how many branches of government are there? They're like, branches of government? What does that even mean? So on a fundamental level, and, and, and um, Reverend Wilson can speak to this as well, on a fundamental level in education, there's a void. So if there's a void on a fundamental level, even knowing the three branches of government, how they interact, what their responsibilities are, but you have a sense of distrust, for instance, for the U.S. Supreme Court and for some of these branches of government, then you would not know what your rights are. You would not know what they are supposed to be doing. And so when you have distrust for one reason or another, you can't really identify why you have distrust. It's hard to know if somebody is performing and being accountable and doing what they're supposed to do if you don't know what they're supposed to do because you never taught what they were supposed to do. So know your rights is, knowing your rights is so important. And as I said, AIB Network, based in Atlanta, um, it's really AIB TV Network. It's based in Atlanta. They have everything live streamed. They re-air the shows. Um, the first show was aired um, this past Monday. It's reared every single day this week. You can also get it online. There's AI, um, AIB TV has a Facebook page, and um, they also have a YouTube channel. So um, very excited about this, Santita, but fundamentally at its core to ask your question, no, people do not know their rights because we aren't even educated on what rights we should know in civics class. So we have really basically two generations. We're going on the second generation of Americans that don't understand civics, but they do understand when they're feeling, when they're feeling dissatisfied, when they're being robbed of something, when they feel that they're being suppressed with the right to vote. Um, and that's why some of the topics that we, that I've chosen to address on my know your rights segment with CK Hoffler are these evergreen topics that we see the hottest things in this country where people are expressing a lot of dissatisfaction. So that, Santita, is where we are, and I'm, this is something that I want to give my voice to because I believe in it. It really is, is the next, it's my way also of continuing part of the exceptional work that your father and others have done, but really putting it in a legal framework. Mm. Well, you know what? I think, CK, we can ask everyone here. <laughs> I mean... Do Americans know our rights? You know, CK, why don't you take it around the table? Absolutely. Well, let's start with um, Reverend Jeanette Wilson. She's a, she's a minister. She's a lawyer. She's an educator. 
Reverend Wilson, what do you think about that? Do people know their rights? And what can we do to ensure that this next generation of kids do know their rights? They absolutely don't know their rights. And I really thank you, CK, uh, for really launching this uh, program. For example, students don't know the rights that they do have or don't have uh, once they enter school buildings. Parents are not clear on the rights of the school versus their rights once the child is a student in a classroom. And so oftentimes you have parents arriving at school just doing, saying and doing inappropriate things because they're not clear on where their rights begin and end. Uh, you, you know, CK, and I'm sure you've heard about that as well as uh, Dr. Yeary, uh, students being stopped bef- uh, and, and charged with uh, minor offenses uh, on their way to school. Uh, they, you know, these little stops that they make, students who are late to school, they create these uh, stops and forms so that they are building a, a record on students, not a criminal record initially, but if you have an encounter on your way to school, uh, not a violent one, but you are tardy and you, you're you found to be missing from your first class, the police are assigned to different schools and they, they uh, write up these what we call tickets. Uh, <clears throat> and so students aren't aware of what that means. Similarly, most young people who or people who are stopped in traffic stops, they don't know their rights. They have no idea what they have a right to do, which is to remain silent. And so they start talking and they curse in police officers, oftentimes uh, ending in certain uh, move escalating violence on the part of the officer and themselves. It's just uh, people don't know what they have a right to do or not do. They just don't know, and we've not taught that in years. So I think this is very important. Churches, pastors don't know the rights that uh, they have with respect to living. Their buildings, church buildings operated in the city, do you have a right not to pay taxes when you don't fill out the tax-exempt forms? So this is a lot. People don't know their rights. I'm excited about this. Well, it's, you know, I was reminded, um, Santita and, and Reverend Wilson and, and this panel of the five-year-old Jaisha Scott, who had a meltdown at school in Pinellas County, Florida, a case yeah. that I handled um, when I was practicing with Mr. Gary, where she had a meltdown and they basically arrest her, put her in, in handcuffs and then put her in the back of a police car with shackles on her ankles because she was having a meltdown. So you talk mm-hmm. about knowing your rights and wouldn't allow her mother who was sitting out begging to have access to her child by the police car. They wouldn't give access to her mother, to her child, because they were trying to baker act her. In Florida, that means they were trying to put her in an insane asylum, an institution, because she had a meltdown. Mm-hmm. You talk about not knowing your rights. We had to litigate that. But voting Absolutely. rights, the first topic that I chose, you know, voting rights. Just to pivot, Daryl Jones, as 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 Santita said, you have been, you and Barbara Arnwine have led the way, not just as lawyers, but have, have built upon the great legacy and have worked in conjunction with Rainbow Push with Reverend Jesse Jackson and other organizations going throughout the country, being there and being strong advocates on behalf of people for voting rights. What are your, just based on being in the trenches, what do you believe people's level of knowledge is relative to voting rights? 
Well, you, you know, CK, thank you for that question, and you're absolutely correct. When it comes to voting rights and people's knowledge, I think that if there's an area where people have the least amount of knowledge, it's in the world of voting rights. And I say that for this reason. Now, people understand generally their right to vote. But if you ask a person if a member of their family has been convicted of a, of a, of a crime that's a felony, can they vote? Most of them will tell you no. Because they don't know that, you know, uh, in many states, there is felony uh, uh, reenfranchisement uh, so that the restoration of their right to vote is in place. If you ask them what to do when they walk into a voting place and they're, they're told that they can't vote, they don't know to call 866-OUR-VOTE. They don't know the challenge to, to go to uh, an election official to challenge them with that right to vote. So there's a lot when it comes to the world of voting rights that people simply don't know because it's not taught. You know, it, you, it, it's not even something, and, and Reverend Wilson uh, could also speak to this, it's not even something that's taught in schools. I don't remember being taught about voting rights at any point in time other than you're 18, year old, you're 18 years old, and so you then have the right to vote. But all the other things that come along with it and the importance of voting rights, I don't believe has been uh, certainly fully expressed and comprehensively approached in our school system, and most Americans are unfamiliar with some of the basics of it. Many don't even know that they need to be registered before they can vote. They think they can just show up and vote, and in some states now you can. But it's important that when it comes to voting rights, that people understand what rights they have. And the only way that happens is uh, folks like uh, Rainbow Push, folks like the Transformative Justice Coalition, folks like Black Voters Matter, being out there to educate people the importance of registering, showing them and walking through them the process of voting, and letting them know what rights they have in terms of being able to register and being able to vote. It's just an incredible experience. And CK, I truly believe that you know the whole voting rights experience is one of the areas where Americans have the least amount of actual knowledge of those rights. Absolutely. You know, um, Latasha Brown, who's one of my guests on our on the Know Your Right um, show, said she gave an example of what happened in Arizona, where there were people who had guns visibly. And, and so knowing your rights when you're in a situation where you're going to vote and there's someone who approaches you with a gun as a form of intimidation, what do you do? What should you do? There's just so much to cover and unpack. But, you know, even you know, a woman's reproductive rights. I mean, we saw the reversal of Roe versus Wade. What are your rights in your state? A lot of people don't know that. So there are women, family members, and others who are arrested because of a woman choosing to terminate her pregnancy because maybe medically she has to or because of, uh, she's been raped. Or there, there are many reasons why a woman may choose to terminate her pregnancy, knowing your rights in that situation, too. You know, Reverend Todd Yeary, you're in... In Maryland, you're in the Baltimore, Maryland area, and you're also a lawyer, a minister. Um, I call you a political scientist as well. What in in the DMZ, in the D.C. metropolitan area, there's a lot going on right now um, by way of police brutality. I think, I don't know if it's more so than anywhere else in the country, but there's a lot going on in that area. What are you seeing in terms of the the lack of knowledge of people knowing their rights when they're stopped by the police? knowing their basic rights in that area. CK, you know what? Why don't we do this? Why don't we get Reverend Dr. Yuri to comment on that when we get on the other side of the break? We only have about, oh, we have less than about a, about a minute before we go to break, and we don't want to abbreviate what he's going to say. We want everyone to call us at 
763-9278. Hope that you'll be listening to that mayoral debate uh, forum tomorrow and hope that you will be tuning in on all of our platforms. I'm going to stream it on the Santita Jackson and Friends page as well. But want you to call us now. Do you know your rights? Do you know your fundamental rights as an American? C.K. Hoffler, Attorney C.K. Hoffler, has an exciting new show on the AIB TV network. AIB TV network. The first episode is running right now. Greg Powers and Latasha Brown, it doesn't get any better than that, talking about your voting rights. Uh, you know, people are going to jail because they've just been in jail. They come out of jail. They've been told that they can vote when they get to the polls, but then they go to jail, but other people who try to steal your vote in North Carolina, they, well, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. What are your rights, everybody? Do you know them? What about your right to protest? Hmm. Think about all of that. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show. We are pulling for you, CK, the AIB TV network. Know your rights with CK Hoffler. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a few minutes. This is the Santita Jackson Show. All right, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. We will Q&A with CK. She's got attorney CK Hoffler has a new television show. Santita Jackson on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of the rest of Minnesota. I want you to meet my morning stars over here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and on the Santita Jackson and Friends page. Woo! Uh, but there's a lot going on, Attorney C.K. Hoffler, as we have Reverend Dr. Jeanette Wilson, well, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, Esquire, with us, and we've got Attorney Daryl Jones, Chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition. Of course, she is she's a pastor, and she is also with Rainbow Push, and Reverend Dr. Todd Geary, Rainbow Push, Senior Pastor of the Douglas Memorial Community Church. C.K., take it away. Well, we, before the break, we, I had called on Dr. Um, Todd Urey to speak about what's going on in the DMV and to talk about knowing your rights, the lack of rights. But I also want him to focus on protest because that's going to be the next area that I want to talk on on this show. What do people know about protesting? What rights do they have? How is it linked to freedom of speech? But Dr. Urey? Well, good morning, C.K., and to Santita and Reverend Jeanette and Brother Darrell. There, there's a whole lot there. What's going on in the DMV uh, in terms of policing, as we would see nationally, uh, the short version is a lot. Uh, we have all heard recently of uh, the jury verdict and return for damages of the uh, Army officer who was actually assaulted by police in Virginia uh, on camera at a gas station where he was actually maced. And uh, because of the infringement of his rights, which the jury did find, the damages for were basically non-existent. I think the, the damage finding was about $3,600. So what we're seeing in uh, police departments, municipalities, and localities across the country 
is that there's this continued requirement for diligence in monitoring how police engage when it comes to the fundamental constitutional rights of people. Uh, in Baltimore City, we're still under a consent decree uh, that is uh, being monitored by a federal judge, uh, where after the death of Freddie Gray, now uh, coming up on eight years ago now, uh, there was a pattern in practice investigation that found there was just a persistent pattern of the uh, infringement on the fundamental rights of people, which actually came down to where can they stand uh, on something as basic as the sidewalk? How many people can gather? We used to have these jokes about uh, how, how many, how many particular, uh, particularly people of color does it require before you get police scrutiny? Sometimes it can be as few as two. Sometimes it can be just you. And so what we're recognizing is that when it comes to not only the freedom of movement, the freedom of expression, what we have seen since uh, the murder of George Floyd on camera, since we have been confronted with the murder of uh, Breonna Taylor in her apartment, in our home, uh, is that the response to that in the summers of 1920, 2020, 1920, it feels like 1920, um, that uh, the the encroachment on the freedom of expression and the freedom of speech has gotten to be more constricted. Some states actually tried to pass more restrictive laws on how and when you can protest, even criminalizing uh, certain types of gathering. We all saw Charlottesville, where uh, there was no police enforcement. And when that got violent and and actually racially so, we remember all of that conversation about the former president, then a candidate, saying there were good people on both sides. What we have to recognize, though, is that in this movement, when it comes to freedom of expression, the right to protest, how do you make sure uh, that you operate within the context? It really comes down to understanding what the laws and the rules are in the place where you're going to do the protesting. There is uh, a fundamental principle called time, place and manner. Uh, that governments can place reasonable constraints that have to be narrowly tailored to uh, a particular need or public purpose or outcome that allows them to limit what time you can protest, how many people might be able to protest, what the form of that looks like, and when the police actually engage. And so what we've seen is, is there's not enough civic preparation. One of the things we saw in the civil rights movement when we had public protests, when we had sit-ins, is that there were intensive trainings for those that were going to be involved in those protests so that they understood how to challenge the law without violating the law. Because they understood that if they were caught violating the law, they would actually make themselves subject, unless it was part of the civil disobedience model, they would often undermine what their intent was to kind of show that there was an assault and an affront to the basic dignity of persons. And so what I would suggest is, is that if you want to be heard, you have a right to be heard. You have a right to express. But the ways in which we do it requires that we sit down. And to your point, CK, uh, having a conversation with legal counsel, making sure that legal counsel is ready to not only advise, but also to protect as we are expressing that so that when we do have public protests and we should have public protests, Santita, we then now understand how to make sure that that public protest is a tool to advance the cause and the interests of the people and not a justification for enforcement to then harm the people and lead to uh, other collateral consequences. Hmm. Well, let me tell you, thank you so much, Dr. Yuri. You have prompted me to pose a hypothetical because everybody on this call, with the exception of Santita, but Santita is the deepest lawyer-thinking person that I've ever met. I'm going to pose a hypothetical and ask these lawyers to respond to what people should do in the context of a protest. 
So let's assume hypothetically you're at a protest. You're protesting and you're protesting because you are opposed to the overturning of Roe versus Wade. You're in a hypothetical city and a group of people you heard to some friends, you know, a group of us are protesting. You say, oh, I want to go because I really am opposed to the overturning and I don't like how our state has implemented new laws that prevent a woman from choosing, even in the case of incest. So I'm going to go down and protest. And you go down and protest, and when you get there, you see that there are some people who are armed, right? And you didn't know that, but there's some people who are armed. And the police come out, and, and, and there are, there's a scuffle, and gunshots are fired, and everybody's running, and people start fighting, and somebody is killed, and you're in the middle, and people, and people are fighting, and everybody gets carted off, and they go to jail. And so now you've been arrested. Now, you didn't know anything about this. You didn't have a gun. You thought this was going to be a nonviolent protest. What are your rights? I'm going to ask each of the lawyers to comment on because that person is going to find herself or himself in a precarious situation because they might charge you with conspiracy to commit a crime because a crime has been committed. Even though you may have been there legally protesting, a crime was committed. Then there was a mass mess. And all y'all were carted, carted off and arrested. So starting with you, Daryl Jones, what say you in terms of that person's rights and what that person should do? Well, I think that what that person needs to uh, immediately do is to say nothing. Uh, if they're confronted by the police, they got to know they have the right to remain silent. Because at this point in time, uh, they're going to go through a big investigatory uh, stage. The person at that point could be providing information that is only going to incriminate them more deeply into the uh, the uh, potential uh, conspiracy to commit a murder charge, assuming the person dies, uh, uh, that was shot or attempted murder if the person doesn't die. So what the person needs to do immediately is not to say anything other than providing the information with the, regards to their name and their, their address, the basic information. But don't don't you know place themselves anyway. Don't don't make any other statements whatsoever. And they need to contact a uh, legal counsel uh, following that. They need to be certain, uh, uh, I would say, that, you know, they, they don't take, you know, uh, that, that trying to be the, uh, the, the, the angel in it all and say everything that I saw and all this other stuff, because you're going to end up incriminating yourself. Don't do that. Contact counsel. Do not make any statements and, and get yourself prepared because there is the potential that you're going to be charged with something. And so, you know, that's are the immediate steps I think that that person uh, would need to, uh, to take to get. <clears throat> Okay, so I asked to um, Reverend Todd Yeary, um, what do you see in terms of, of, of any potential exposure that that person has, having just you know decided to go to without doing without doing research, gone to a protest and not knowing who the who the people who are leading the protest are? What do you see as problems for that person just going blindly and not doing their research in advance? Well, protests are often spontaneous. You often don't know who the leaders are. The leaders may emerge as the protest is actually uh, coming together. We saw this in Louisville after Breonna Taylor. We saw it in Baltimore. So that if if there is information that that is available to you, that's one thing. But if it's not, there's something else. But I want to want to kind of continue down that 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 hypothetical that you raised because Daryl's point about remaining silent is so critically important. That remaining silent means remaining silent completely until you get to your counsel. The reason is, is because if you are arrested, uh, the charges, you have to be told, you have to be notified of what the charges are against you within a reasonable period of time 
so that you then understand what is the state actually saying that you did. Many times we start talking about things where we're not even clear about what the state is doing to detain us, right? So the right to remain silent is a constitutional right, but it's a tactical right because the state actually has the burden to prove whatever they're going to say that you did. And so you are practically and fundamentally innocent until the state proves your guilt beyond a reasonable doubt for whatever they say. So when you're coming together in these moments and you find yourself potentially jammed up and very often in protest, there are these sweeps. We've seen these police lines. We know that folks that are within uh, this particular area, they often kind of pull together. But the other fundamental problem, here's where a lot of us could uh, get in trouble, is that the right to remain silent when you exercise it, it needs to be complete because once you are in custody, you really have no protected right to privacy while you're in custody, particularly if you are on the jail phone. And so the say issue that, that we've often time. Seen, No, no, yeah. wait, say that one more time about privacy when you are arrested. If and what does that mean? And in custody. If you're in custody, you do not have a fundamental right to privacy while you are in detention. And so if you're on a call from the jail, and on that jail call, you have a conversation. You will often hear a recording that says the calls from the jails are recorded. They are indeed. The reason they are is because many times what the prosecutors will do is they will use your own statements in conversations that are not private and not privileged to then come back and say you have now made an admission. Uh, to some factor of the charges that they're presenting against you. So the right to remain silent. That brings another question. That brings up another question for me. If you're having a conversation with your lawyer from the jail, because, I mean, this impacts a whole lot of people. That's right. If you're having a conversation with your lawyer, that is privilege, right? A conversation with your lawyer is privilege. Very often, the the first, on the phone, the first call that we often make is to a family member that we're hoping can come get us out. And what's the first thing that the family member on the other end of the call is going to ask? Well, what happened? And what's the response? Then we get to talking. What I was doing, what I thought, what I saw, where I was, what I did. And all of that becomes the benefit of an investigator that may just be looking to see how many people we find uh, to be able to be jammed up. And remember, there's a false correlation now after January the 6th where there is this tendency for law enforcement to see every gathering as a potentially hostile gathering, even though they have peaceful intent, they're being executed peacefully. A single agitator in the midst of a crowd that may be an outsider in the midst of a number of local people can take a protest moment that is constitutional and legal and turn it into something that could be tragic and criminal in a matter of moments. And Reverend Todd, if I could add on to a piece of what you said with regards to Santita's question about uh, the, the privilege of telephone call, if you're talking to your attorney, if you're talking to your attorney, even if it's at a counselor's office in the jail, if there is someone else's in the room, that, you know, uh, uh, the right that you have to not have that uh, privilege, a conversation amplified or repeated is broken. So if the counselor is in the room where you think you're having a private counsel telephone call, that counselor can testify about what they hear you say. Anyone that's there that's present when you make that telephone call, if you're just in general population and you're talking, if they don't get the recording from it, because most jails record your telephone conversations, other inmates that are there 
can t- pick up on your conversation and try to use it to their advantage to get themselves out of their situation. So it's very important to remain silent and not to discuss your case over the phone when it, whenever you're incarcerated. I apologize, Reverend Todd. No, 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 because no, 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 everybody needs to know that. That's why I had to ask. I said, wait a minute, you, have a whole, you know a whole lot of people who don't want to be informants. They don't want to snitch. But guess what? The system, the, the, the system is designed to create that, and and you know, and, and it's an awful thing. It's a, you know, I just it's, it, to me, it's just a very dangerous thing, and we don't know what our rights are when we get when we are arrested, uh, Reverend Doctor Yuri. One of the things, uh, Santita and Doctor Yuri, uh, we have to be careful on who is your lawyer, because I had a situation where they had arrested a number of young uh, teenagers. Um, and so we went to the jail. Well, by the time we arrived to defend them, uh, they had talked to the state's attorney because, it, you know, they walk in the room. Uh, I'm a, I, I am an attorney. That's not your lawyer. That's not a defense attorney. That is the attorney for the other people who are preparing to prosecute you, and they're looking for information. And they'll isol- they isolated the kids so that... And they would come in the room and say, you know, your your friend Scooby-Doo said this. What do you say? And immediately uh, students start talking. When we say right to remain silent, it means just that. You have a right to give your name, your address, your Social Security number. No other information. Don't explain what happened. Do not talk at all. You get your one phone call or two phone calls, you call someone that can get you a lawyer. Because once you're in, de- you're being detained by the police. You're no longer free to just uh, talk. It, it will hurt you. Everything you say will and can be used against you. The other thing is on these uh, these stops. We have police stops. We immediately go off, just start going crazy. All I was doing was smoking a joint. Why are you talking? Just give them the information they ask for. Your ID your driver's license, you can't have these conversations. You cannot litigate on the street. And oftentimes, some people get into more trouble because they start litigating and acting a fool out on the street with the police officers. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but the best thing you can do is provide the information that they request, your name, driver's license. And once you see that they're escalating to arrest you, what you want to do is make be prepared to make your one phone call, a phone call to someone that can provide you with help. Don't explain anything. Just say, look, I'm at 51st Street. I need you to come, post bond or whatever they have to do. Do not explain the situation because, A, they cannot help you on the phone. And that's something we don't think about. We see that on television, but we... No, they hear the words, right to remain silent. They don't know what that means. They don't know how yeah, that can impact them. I'm getting, Reverend I'm getting to another point, point, but I'm getting to another point, because we grew up with the FBI on television. The good guys on television who never break any rules unless they're rogue are the police, are the prosecutors. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who have the television shows. So we are not, we're, we know what their rights are. We know that what they're doing is the right thing. But in terms of what our rights are, <laughs> we have no idea. No one tells us that. And, and we don't think to 
ask beyond you have the right to remain silent. And like you said, right. Reverend Wilson, we don't even know what that means. We don't know what any of it means. CK, are you going, are you exploring the issues like these on your show? No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the initial shows, we're doing everything from NIL. What are the rights of the athletes? What should families know about with NIL? Immigration issues. Mm. Um, women's reproductive rights. Voting rights. All of those things we're exploring. Because, and I said, when I say evergreen issues, these are issues that will continue into that. Well, they're good today. They're good next year. Because people need to understand what their rights are. And let's just talk about when you have a lawyer and what you should and shouldn't do. The conversations on the phone are protected. What does that mean? Because the guards are listening to the conversations. They're protected, meaning they should, they're supposed to turn it off and not supposed to listen in. But let, there are some cases where they claim they didn't know that the inmate was talking to a lawyer and they've had to litigate that that information was privileged. But just be very clear, the prosecutors will find a way to get that information, so don't give it to them. If you're talking to your lawyer in person and there's a third party in the room, your lawyer's going to know to ask that guard to leave the room because those conversations are privileged. And privileged meaning there should not be another party there. Just like Daryl Jones said, when you're incarcerated and you're on the phones, if you're on those phones, people are listening in. Everybody's trying to get out. And if they can turn evidence on you so they can get out, they will. So just be very careful. Just know you have no privacy. What does that mean? You have no expectation of privacy legally. You have no rights to privacy while you're in jail when you're talking to anyone. Anyone. The only exception is your lawyer. So if they were me, I would just always know the name of a lawyer. A lawyer. Yep. Even though, and I say this to everybody, this is not a social economic discussion. I have the name. I don't do criminal defense work. I have the name of a lawyer in the event that me or my children or my mother or my aunties or my friends get in trouble. This is who you call. You must do that in this system of government. We already talked about we don't know about civics. The police don't know about civics. How about that? Some of them. Exactly. Great. But others that are not great. So we're focused on those that are not great, that are violating the law by them, the way that they are going about with their duties. But let me just say, there's some magnificent police officers that we all know. We're not focused on those. We're talking about those rogue police officers that are going through and and using excessive use of force improperly. You know what? I only have about three minutes left, but, you know, it's a system that is designed to dehumanize you and make you feel you have no rights. When you go to the jail and you get locked up in your cell, you can't be let out of your cell to go to the restroom. The toilet is open. So you know you have no privacy when you're going to the bathroom. Think about that, everybody. Think about the thinking that goes into that. Fred, I'm going to get you during the, when we, as soon as we get off there, but I'm going to have to run myself today. CK, I've got about a minute and a half, well, actually two minutes for you. Do with them what you will. Thank you, Santita. So knowing you're right, this is not, this is, this is free information. Knowing your rights, knowing what to do, whether you're incarcerated, whether you're trying to vote, whether you have, find yourself in a difficult medical situation if you're a woman um, who wants and you want to terminate a pregnancy, whether you have been stopped or a family member of yours has been stopped as an undocumented immigrant, knowing your rights, what can you do? How about 
understanding that there are three branches of government and the role of the U.S. Supreme Court, the role of the executive branch, meaning the president, the role of the legislative branch, meaning members of Congress, those who make the laws. Because when we express dissatisfaction, when we protest, we are protesting because we feel someone is wronging us, wronging our community, wronging our society, killing our people unjustly. Knowing how to protest and knowing what to do if you find yourself in a very difficult position when you are arrested, when you are going there for a noble cause, exercising your constitutional right to protest. While you may have a lot of goodwill, sometimes people around you don't have goodwill. And sometimes that can be the government, the governmental entities. It can be law enforcement. It can be the courts. So you have to be aware and make sure that you get information. Information is power so you can govern yourself. And knowing your rights to me is at the core of the U.S. Constitution. So what I'm trying to do, what I want to do with these shows, is ensure that for free, people know their rights. And how can we see the show? AIB TV, AIB Network, it's based in Atlanta. Um, They have a Facebook, uh, they have YouTube. Um, The shows are airing um, this whole week. The first one is on voting rights, as I said. I have um, Natasha Brown, Greg Palast are my guests. Um, it re-airs today at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Saturday at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. And on Sunday at 8 a.m. That's the re-airing of the voting rights shows. And then after they've aired, they will be posted on the website. So you will have, I will say forever, but I don't know how long the people put access to those shows because it is so important for people to know their rights. AIB Network, Apple, India, Belize. All right, everybody, please tell everybody about this show. We need so many more like them. Reverend Jeanette Wilson, Esquire, sending you much love. Attorney Daryl Jones, sending you much love. Reverend Dr. Todd Yuri Esquire, sending you much love. And CK, sending you much love. So proud of you. When will you be on Court TV? I'll be on Court TV next week. Oh, my goodness, Santita, I don't have the information. I'm sorry. Um, no, 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 that's okay. We're, just, we're looking out for you all the time. I told you. You always got to let me know when you're on, so we just let people know. <laughs> you I, just have to let me know. You, you <laughs> so want to let, like, folks, let the folks know. And let them know if you want to see more of CK on Court TV and you want to see Reverend Dr. Yeary and Reverend Jeanette Wilson and and Attorney Daryl Jones, you want to see them there, too. I love you, everybody. Henry, thank you for a great show. I love you, love you, love you, love you. See you tomorrow. And stay tuned, everybody. We've got that mayoral form. It's going to be a great one. Can't wait to be with you tomorrow on the Santita Jackson Show. God bless. 